Welcome to the Living It Up podcast. And welcome to today edition, a pre-open championship edition of the Living It Up podcast. This is Brian. I am joined by George. George, how pumped are you for this week? Big week in the world of golf. One of my favorites. Uh, obviously, everyone talks about coffee golf. Um, being on the East Coast, there is nothing better than kind of waking up early, just sitting down at the TV, watching um, the, the, the courses, um, the link stuff go down. Um, St. Andrews, obviously, one of the most interesting courses. I think, you know, second to like Augusta and Pebble, we all know it. So it's, it's always just a lot of fun to watch. Um, so I am definitely pumped. Oh, I'm with you. I think we talked a little bit about West Coast golf and how sometimes West Coast golf finishing up in prime time is awesome. Coffee golf is equally cool because it doesn't take that middle part of your day. You can still hit up the links if you want after the Open concludes on Saturday and Sunday. You can grab time at the pool, whatever you want to do with the uh, the kids or what have you. But hey, let's talk a little bit about how the week has progressed. Some live adjacent news has popped up. Let's lead off with one of the ones that's been pretty contentious, widely debated. The RNA deciding to exclude Greg Norman, of course, the CEO of Live Golf, from their championship uh, festivities, the champions dinner, the picture, the four hole kit and giggle that they do. Um, you know, did, did they did they do this to squash his microphone? Did they actually give Live more more uh, more press than than it potentially would have gotten otherwise? What say you, George? Uh, I think they fumbled this horrifically. Um, effectively they they issued a press release to say we are we have we have let him know we're not going to invite him because we don't want live to take away so no one talk about live because we don't want anyone to talk about live on our big week so no one say live and meanwhile they've said it seven times they yeah, basically the, the, the strike sand effect by by saying yeah. don't don't think about this everyone thinks about it a hundred percent and then of course they give greg a pep a pulpit to say you know hey i'm very disappointed i feel like this is petty and it, it sort of gives him, you know, now gives him an opportunity to be somewhat sympathetic um, in, the, in the public eye. And then meanwhile, all the pressers, everything that's going on has been guys talking about Lib. The press is talking about Lib. Everything's talking about Lib. So for them to do this, I think, was it just shows the amount of pettiness that is going on. There's no other way to describe it. Um, because, I mean, it's, it's one of two things, and there's just kind of no middle ground, in my opinion. It is either extraordinarily petty or it is extraordinarily incompetent. And so, you know, they can pick which one they want to be, but neither one is a good look. Yeah, and, and there's, to, in my view, like, there's no way getting around it. Now, they, of course, like, limited the number of press conferences. None of the live guys got, like, an official press conference, you know, sitting at the podium. They certainly could have taken that tactic, and that's up to them. It's their tournament. They can run it as they are. But the guy's a two-time Open winner. Like, come on. What, what, what are we doing here? Um, it just seemed incredibly petty to me as well. And, and I think, you know, let's talk about some of those guys that did step to the podium. You know, Rory, of course, gets asked about this. He seems like the, uh, the, the, the main spokesman for the tour these days outside of Jay Monahan. You know, he was asked about it. He essentially defers to, like, previous statements or previous interviews. And so it ends up being, you know, Tiger Woods taking taking the podium and and really landing what I would consider like the big soundbite of the early part of the Open Championship, you know. And his main gripe was, hey, guaranteed money. Is it going to take away their drive? They're not going to dig it out of the dirt. I feel really sorry for these young guys if they can't play the majors, blah, blah, blah. 
so I wanted to get your take on like, is is Tiger now the right spokesman? Is he going to be the new Rory? Is are we going to see Tiger commenting on this? Should he be the new commissioner? What what do you, what do you think about these Tiger comments? Of I mean, it's it's a tough spot. On the one hand, obviously, like golf as we know it in the modern era, you know, two thousand till now, does not exist but for Tiger Woods. You know, yep. the tour being everywhere these big tournaments, these guys being, you know, superstars and charismatic athletes, the just even the junior golf that we see at our club and the way that kids are approaching it now, none of that exists without Tiger Woods. So on the one hand, you know, I have to tip my cap, acknowledge his importance to golf. But when it comes to this comment that he made about this guaranteed money, how are they stay hungry to drive and compete? And, you know, what's the thing? Go fuck yourself, Tiger. Like <laughs> you, that is the most tone deaf statement possible. That fucker had nine figures in his pocket when he sat at a table and said, hello world. Like the, he was in silk pajamas right out of the gate on the PGA tour. And on the one hand, you know, he is the poster child for like, he's never played for a dollar, never played for a dollar. He had it on his, you know, the poster on his wall as a kid, 19 majors or 18 majors, whatever it is, to beat Jack. Um, and he was very upfront. Like, he plays for four tournaments a year. Yeah, Everything the rest, else the rest is... he wants to win, obviously, but they're, they're all preludes to the ones that he cares about. Yeah, Tiger, if the, if the legacy and the tour and these things are so important, like, where are all your, ter- where are your trophies? Yeah, yeah, there was been, that great story. Documented. Yeah, that Rory goes to his house and says, where are your other, you know, what would it be, 67 trophies from PGA Tour events? He's like, I, I don't know, maybe with my mom, maybe at some club. Like, all, all he shows are are essentially, you know, his major trophies, and probably Ryder Cup trophies. Right. So so for him to talk about that is just like, it's it's just very tone deaf. Um, and it, it shows a complete lack of awareness. Um, in some regards, it's like, dude, okay, you you guys now really are starting to look like you're just getting your talking points from Jay to go and do this because one, you know, I assure you throughout his career, he flew to go play tournaments over in Asia and other places with, you know, appearance fees that you can't get on the PGA tour, but you can get, I think, I think the European tour allows it uh, or Asian tour allows it. Some of these events where our guys will go kind of in the off season um, you know, he would go play certain events that you would otherwise not really see him at, but his sponsor was there. So like you showed up and you took the bag. And, yeah. You, and, you played all the, of, Buick, you played all the Buick events that, you know, because they were paying you for, for the Buick bag and the Buick ads, like it, it's, it's how the PJ tour has doled out appearances. It's why all the RBC guys play the RBC events. Um, you know, it, it's sort of the unspoken thing that, again, other than, you know, what you'd consider the big events, uh, you know, the players, Bay Hill, Riviera, Memorial, everything else is, yes, call it an exhibition, call it made for TV events, right? It's all just a prelude to the big events. And so, yeah, it comes off a little sanctimonious for for him to just talk about, you know, oh, these guys aren't going to earn it. They're not going to know how 72 whole events feel like, come on, man. Well, and here's the thing, like, and, and, and frankly, again, this goes back to these guys, like they, they want to, you know, they, they initially started on 
sports washing and human rights. Now it's like, oh, the money, the money. Again, guys, go fuck yourself. None of us, like, are you, do they think we don't see what Jay has literally done over the last 12 months, knowing that this was coming? He has absolutely made it all about the money. And I guarantee you the reason he has made it all about the money is when they have had these closed door player events for members on the um, player action committee or whatever it is, go around and they talk to other members like, hey, what's going on? What are your thoughts? It's all about the money. Yep. These guys do not show up for, you know, the Sanderson Farms trophy. This is not the legacy that they are like, how many Wyndham tournaments can I win? Yeah, it is money and status. Oh, 100%. There was a Fire Pit Collective story, you know, for those of you who don't know that publication, Upstart Publication, Alan Shipnuck, a few other guys that are doing good work over there with pods and articles. They got a scoop from, I think it was three or four agents. And the, and the first, you know, paragraph was fantastic. It said, you have to start with an understanding that all of these players are whores, right? They are just like paid, paid monkeys. It is their job. They are going out to get that bag. Yeah. And, and that's fine, right? Like, I mean, guys who go play the NFL, play the NBA, go do all these things in professional sports. They do it for money. Everyone who shows up to a job on Monday morning goes and does it for money. Like that's not a bad thing. And I, I just, it, it just rings super hollow when they want to harp on the money, the money, the money, the money, and all they've mm-hmm. done and the PGA is increase the money, the money, the money, the money. The FedEx cup was a hundred percent, a contrived farce. I mean, if you remember in its early years, right? And and this is kind of where like all these guys, everyone's just glossing over like the recent history of the PGA and the drive for more money, more money, more money. When the FedEx Cup first started, right? It made zero sense. Like how do we count? Yeah, wasn't this the one where like Tiger barely had to show up to play the last like two events and he'd already locked it up? Or like Tiger and Phil would skip the first two (laughs) then show up for like third and fourth and – then as long as they finished, you know, sixth in the final event, they could win. And they were, I mean, do you remember early on, they had like the running calculator on yeah. the, the side of like the points and this putt did this. And now we're moving here and everyone's like, what in the hell is going on? So what did the PGA tour do? All right. We revamped the point situation and they got to like a different PGA, you know, a different thing where you couldn't skip the playoffs and we we're going to keep windling it down. And then it was like, uh, and I don't remember if it was the players bitched or they lost a sponsor, but instead of being four events, now it's three events. And now even it's getting revamped. Again. I was going to say, and now it's going to get revamped again with this fall series and the top 70 and all this stuff. But I think that actually is a, a decent segue because we talk about like how controlling perhaps the PGA tour is. And like, in order to qualify for these, you've got to play in our events. And like, in order to do this, you've got to play in our events. It's like the, the, uh, the, the golden handcuffs, if you will. Um, and the DOJ apparently is now investigating the tour for anti-competitive practices. Uh, you know, there's two DOJ stories out there. The, the one thing is that, that there's this rumor uh, by the Wall Street Journal that the DOJ is looking at the PGA tour for anti-competitive practice. Then there's another ask to the DOJ by Representative Chip Roy from Texas, member of the U.S. House. He's asking to see if live players need to register at, to be foreign agents, right, saying essentially they're lobbyists engaging in PR on behalf of the kingdom. So it's interesting now, you know, you, you, George, are our resident legal expert, like, what's your sense of these court battles? Like, they're obviously going to take time, but what should we be looking for? Like, what are the macro sort of things that we should keep an ear out for here? 
Well, I think we're we're not going to hear on the the DOJ investigation into the tour. Um, you know, I think that one's going to be really interesting, um, and, and it, it gets interesting on a number of levels um, because a lot of what I think the tour would be doing to collude is going to involve you know the DP World Tour. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure. I mean, I, I think and it, there is kind of a catch-all in the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, which can kind of be a snare to lots of things that don't otherwise fit into neat categories. Um, but the we're probably not going to hear anything on that until sometime next year. Um, and and I, I've been involved in a, a few of those investigations with clients over the years. Sometimes they, they come, they start sniffing around, they get documents, they look into it, and you never hear from them again. It just goes away. Um, other times, you know, they, they go, they do it, it's quiet, and then all of a sudden, you know, they, they show up with, with a complaint, and it's off to the races. Uh, so this one will be really interesting um, just because there are so many international pieces involved to it. Um, now, one of the things that I think can also be very interesting here is, and it, it, I kind of have wondered about it, is, you know, you hear certain things like Billy Horschel, we're independent contractors, we play any 15 events we want. Okay, cool. So then why do you care about the other off weeks, right? We talked about that yeah. in the last episode. And so the worst thing, in my opinion, that can happen to the tour and to Jay is that this thing, they do this investigation, they go look at it and they're like, you know what? we don't think that members of the PGA tour are independent contractors. We actually think that they are employees. And then Jay has an absolute catastrophe on his hands because if you have employees, you have to have, you know, tax withholdings. You have to do all these things for employees. And now they have all these other rights to deal with. And I don't know that the members want to be employees, nor yeah. do I think the tour wants them to be employees. But if the government steps in and says, no, nah, we think you're employees, well, then everyone's employees and you better figure it out real fast. So I, I think it, it could, you know, it's going to be, it's either going to fizzle and go away. You'll never hear about it again, or it, it could be something actually kind of comical. Yeah. And, and I think one element of that, that potentially courts would have to look into is live officially, you know, uh, filed for OWGR official world golf ranking status this week. They said, we want to be part of this ranking system. And the question is like, when does that get decided? What will happen if they lose? You know, obviously I think there's two main ways this could go. It could go with, yes, uh, we will allow you to gain points. However, there's a bunch of conditions that you need to comply with. You got to be 72 holes. You got to have a cut, blah, blah, blah. And that could lead to, you know, a decision point for, for live. Uh, the other would be they just say, hey, guys, no, sorry, you can't come in our club. Um, and I think like the timing of that may implicate them or, you know, change the way that the DOJ or, or judges in general that are sitting on any lawsuits might start to think about the status of the players. Because in the end, to me, it's all about like, hey, h- how much are you turning the screws or compelling the players to do these things? Or how much are they truly kind of you know able to make their own schedule? Yeah. And the, and I think one of the things that'll be really interesting with this is like, you know, they're making their presentation, they either presented it today or it's the original, the opening deliberation or whatever the happens occurs. And, you know, one, 
does does the PGA and the DP World Tour like have to refuse themselves? Mm. Um, can, so then it comes down a, to Augusta and the PGA of America and some other. Yeah, and there's there's a handful members. of other things, but like, are they? Is there is there such an inherent conflict that they can't speak on it? And and I yeah. think candidly, you know, if if I was sitting in that room advising them and like, hey guys, you you can chime in and you can speak, but you can't vote. Yeah. Um, and because there, there absolutely is a, is a conflict of interest there that you can't kind of undo. Um, so I think if, if they don't kind of address that and be very transparent and like, Hey, we've addressed the conflicts, they will not vote on whether this will be permitted. Um, Mm -hmm. then I, I think whatever the outcome is probably has some more validity. The other thing that I think is going to be interesting as to how this unfolds is, you know, there's likely going to be some more movement over to live after the open, um, yep. probably more after the, um, you know, the FedEx points wrap up or certain players who are in the, in the chase, but, you know, kind of either don't advance. Yeah, they, they drop out before the tour championship, you know, because they don't yeah. make it or they just want to get that bag. They want to get that FedEx money and then they'll, they'll peace out. The right. Day after. Right. And, and, and then as if, if we have between now and the end of the year, say, you know, let's say best case scenario for live, you know, let's say we have 25 of the top 50 players that move over. Is the world golf ranking just going to literally be able to look everyone in the face and be like, they aren't, they aren't the top 25 anymore. Like, yeah, they're, they're not, they're they not good anymore magically. Yeah. And like they, we, we just, we just could not, in good conscience, give points to these people. And it's like, well, you could over here for playing competitive golf. They're playing competitive golf. Like they, 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 they do have, they do keep score. They do have a winner. Um, you know, it's not just all hit and giggle. Everyone gets an award at the end. Like it is a hundred percent a, there's a winner who gets paid a lot of money and there is a last place person. And so the, in my opinion, if they can't figure out how to get live points and do it in an equitable manner, um, and I saw like someone online was like, well, just give them, you know, award points to the top 24 finishers. Yeah. Assume and, there is a cut and just say, if yeah. you're below, below 25 and below, you get zero points. Right. And, and if you, if you're above, like if, if a, a full field, you know, if a, if a PGA event would get, you know, call it, the first place gets a hundred points, then the first place for live would get 75, right? Like you, you figured a way to prorate it, do whatever. But at some point, if, if you have, I will say 25 of the top 50 teeing it up on your tour, mm-hmm. every time they play, then you are going, then like that is probably a more competitive field than you have on the PGA tour on any given week. Yeah, hundred percent. And you talked um, a little bit about like the, the rumors and speculation, the rumors swirl, some rumors get stomped out quickly. The one that was interesting this week is there was a report by what, what now seems like a very dodgy Twitter account that rumored that Jordan Spieth was going to make the jump. He quickly squashed that. I think within like an hour or so put out an official statement, but there are active rumors for other guys. There's, you know, people that whisper about, you know, Australians like Cam Smith or Mark Leishman, the one that's come up that's interesting is Hideki Matsuyama potentially making the jump, you know, thinking is after the Open Championship wraps up. 
I think Hideki could be super interesting because as these teams have become more kind of country or regional based, you, you I look at least at the, the Japanese team. I don't know those players. Uh, and so I think Hideki would bring certainly a global name and, you know, some credence to that team and, and help us maybe create a, a Japanese team that would certainly bring a lot of Japanese eyeballs to the product, potential interest in, you know, sort of team sponsorships. There's a lot of manufacturers over there, what have you. So I think Hideki could be a, a really big pull for them. Uh, certainly a recent, recent masters winner. I'll, I'll be very curious, you know, when these shoes start to drop, whether it is the Monday after the open, or like we talked about, you know, do guys kind of, decide they're going to, you know, play for a few more months in the PGA tour to try to wind down the FedEx cup season. Yeah. I mean, I, and I, I have to, and like, it's, it's really interesting, right? So obviously the Jordan speed thing was like, hmm, curious. Like I, I have to wonder at some point, like as, and, and, you know, you talk about the Australians and some people that have been rumored and that haven't really been vocally objecting to the rumors. Um, and, and notably like, Remember early on, like Bubba Watson was profiled. And, oh, it was like Harold Barner and Bubba were like in the yeah. early wave of people supposed to go, and they did not. Yeah. And well, not only has Bubba not, Bubba's vaporized. I haven't yeah. seen him in anything. Harold Barner did come out. He saw something. He's like, hey, I talked to MJ about it. And, you know, yeah. Michael's, Michael said, nah, man, you don't want this. So I think that was Harold's soft, um, you know, I'm out. I don't know that that's a final, final I'm out because there comes a point, right? Let's just say a Hideki goes, let's say a Cam Smith goes, um, even though he's not quite in the, you know, moving the needle the way he used to, you know, Adam Scott is someone who was always rumored to, to be going. Um, he just recently kind of came out and said, I didn't, I thought what the RNA did to, to Greg Norman was bad. Yeah. Um, and then, um, You've got some other guys that, you know, Cantlay has sort of been discussed, who's never officially, like, hard no. And he has not done anything, like, of of real consequence since he won the FedEx last year. I mean, he's poked around the top of some leaderboards, but talk about a guy. he's still ranked seven in the world. I was going to say, he's still in the top ten in the world. He's still obviously a fantastic player, taking nothing away from him, but he's been overshadowed by a number of the other guys in the top ten or fifteen this year. Right. And, and, like, you've got a guy like Shoffley, who I think has kind of come out to say, uh, you know, initially he was like, hey, I'll look at anything, right? Like, I just got to <laughs> take a look at it. But then I think he's kind of come out and been like, no, it's not for me. But I think the way I heard his comments was sort of the way that uh, Bryson initially denied it, saying, hey, as long as the top players in the world are on the PGA Tour, I'm on the tour. Basically, I'm going to go where the players go. Yeah, yeah. And, if there is critical mass, then like, who am I to to and, to hang and out with everyone else? Correct, and that's where I think like for these guys, like one of the calculus that they have to be thinking about is is all right. You know, Rory came out and sort of softened things, like, hey, we should negotiate. I think I think at yeah. some point we're going to have to have some you know discussions about can we work together? Can we coexist? And if that's the case. If I'm a guy, and I mean, I'll use Spieth as an example, but, you know, again, he's he's the crown prince of the tour right now. You know, him and Rory sit, you know, next to Tiger's throne. Um, but, like, let's say that there there is going to be sort of like this piece, right? Like, if you're the players, and like I come back and say, if I'm if you're the top 30 players in the world, 
those top 30 players in the world need to like jump on a zoom together oh. and be like all right look guys their market the value is very protect very uh day-to-day flighty depending on who makes the first moves and it's like hey if we all go to live and yep. get the bag like we force jay to do exactly what we want and oh by the way we can force live to do what we want like we can force them to coexist yeah if if we are the ones that are like yeah and secondly is critical mass starts to come together and live gets legs and it starts to go and you know like if assuming it does get enough investment and time to organically you know manifest into some following and and grow a fan base then you've got to sit there and be like well shit like i may as well go take the bag because it's gonna happen they're getting points jay is gonna have he's gonna have to back off the all or nothing so i may as well get the bag and then still be able to come play on the tour um 100 so and i think think that's the the most important thing to me will be the timing of it all i i anticipate there will be you know one or a few players that jump between the open championship and the FedEx cup concluding. I tend to think there's going to be sort of like a mini wave of people right after the FedEx cup concludes, or maybe once those guys end up, you know, 31st, 32nd on the money list and don't make it to East Lake, you know, there, there's going to be a little bit of a, uh, a race to grab the, to grab the biggest bag I can while I can. Yeah. And the other thing is, and I can't remember if we touched on it on the other last episode or I was talking about on Twitter is the, the PGA, has very clearly not taken a stance on Ryder Cup. Yep. So I, I think, and same with the Euro Tour. Like if if certain guys like Tommy Tommy Fleetwood, if he goes, um, that's another kind of like real break to the DP World Tour. Um, and the Euro Tour is going to have to look real hard. Mm-hmm. Like, can can we frankly afford? to keep these guys out. I mean, yeah. the, 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 the PGA has the Ryder cup. It makes them money. It makes them a lot of money. Like the DP world tour cannot exist without the Euro Ryder cup money. And so, and they're hosting it next year. So they absolutely are going to have to think long and hard on how they do this. And I think that will be a massive piece to, yeah, I mean, and, and maybe I have the maybe I have the timing of this conflated, but wasn't part of the need for the strategic alliance was missing out on Ryder Cup revenue due to COVID? Like, what are, isn't aren't their financial state like that precarious that that's their their main budget driver? Yeah, oh, it's been. I mean, that's been documented. I think for more than a is that you know the Ryder Cup is seventy percent of the revenue for the Euro Tour. I mean, yeah. they they basically flood the coffers. They, they, they slowly let it out and then they turn around and two years later, they flood the coffers and yeah. they rinse and repeat. Um, that's been their business model. So, and again, it, it's, you know, this comes back to the anti-competitive stuff. I, I mean, I have to imagine that Jay has gone to um, Keith Pelly and said, look, you cannot even pick up the phone and talk to mm-hmm. Greg. Like you, if you do, we're done. You can't. And if that's the case, I think that's where Jay is going to get probably caught with his hand in the cookie jar. Um, so that that's one of those interesting pieces where at some point the DP World Tour, and you hear about it a little bit on Twitter right now, that players are not happy 
that they continue to like go back to the well and just take the crumbs the tour gives them rather than be like, well, let's sit down with these live guys and see what they're actually putting out there. Like, you know, Jay, and there, there's a great, great piece that someone found uh, in 2019 with Keith Pelly sitting yeah. on a stage with, you know, either the public investment fund or I don't think it was uh, MBS. I think, but being like, I think it was the public investment fund hosting the event, talking about it. Ernie Els was on stage, obviously. Pelly was on stage and he's talking glowingly about certainly Dubai and the race to Dubai and what they do in the winter months with kind of the Middle East in general, but then talked, you know, you could, you could argue glowingly about the investment that the public investment fund was making into golf. And so it, it's easy to, it, it's interesting at best to now have a, a 180. Correct. So, I mean, it's like, all right, buddy, like, and, and again, his members, I think will ultimately drive that and, and be the determining factor. Um, and, you know, he may be out of a job. Who knows? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we, could, we could see Pelly and uh, Jay Monahan out of jobs here, maybe at the end of the year. We'll see. But let's pivot a little bit. Let's talk a little bit. Uh, let's go quickly down the list of open preview items. Let's start with, I think, you know, the biggest story. The cat is back, you know, just a short while after he mangled his legs. He's still limping around. But this is a flat golf course. Everybody's been pointing to this as perhaps the best place for a comeback. And, and maybe, you know, Augusta and maybe Southern Hills were opportunities for him to get some competitive rounds in, in preparation for, for, for the cat's last stand. What, what do you think his, uh, his chances are this week? Uh, you know, you don't, all right, first half, I don't think he has a chance at all. However, <laughs> say you say, having just said that, you know, if there is any golfer on the planet who has muscle memory and has played that course as well as it can humanly be played, it is tiger on multiple occasions. So yeah, like just, and I mean, his talent is obviously, you know, unprecedented and unrivaled. And so, you know, even on one and a half legs and, you know, a kind of manufactured swing, cause he can't get through the ball the way it used to You you can't count him out, but I won't be putting any money on him. Yeah. I'm with you in the sense that if the wind was really up and it came down to who has the nerve to hit, you know, punchy draws and punchy cuts and carve shots. Like I would never doubt his imagination and his hands and his, his ability to manufacture stuff. But I don't think that this, this tournament, at least the way the wind is setting up and the weather is going to be that sort of contest. Like certainly you're going to have to think your way around this golf course. Everybody knows how, strategic it is everybody's watched it over the years and knows how you've got to be really thoughtful and think about trajectory and shape out here so it plays into his hand to a degree but it also rewards precision and so you'd look at the guys that are super precise this year not the least of which you'd look at justin thomas and you'd look at wills Torres and matt fitzpatrick and his recent successes and you would just look at those guys and say yeah if it came down to a ball striking contest i still like those guys more than i like tiger woods yeah and and i mean i think also we have to, we can't discount that the tiger that you just described doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Like his, he knows when he stands over the ball, his body is not going to let him hit certain shots that he used to be able to hit. So that's kind of where I'm like, you you can't ever discount him, but you also have to kind of be realistic at what his limitations are going to be currently. Um, but you you mentioned Zell Torres and Fitzpatrick. I mean, no way you can like discount them. I think, frankly, this course 
should be ideal for Zalatoris. Um, I don't know that anybody is hitting the ball better than he is. And these greens tend to, I don't think are going to be as punitive to him putting wise um, as U S open greens that are going, you know, at 14s. Yeah. These things generally roll in like that, you know, 10, 11, you know, it's, it's probably more akin to the high level, country club than it than it is the uh, the the day in week out week in week out pga tour you know running at 12s or 13s um and so i think his sometimes shaky putter gets a little bit neutralized here and and might play to his advantage he can just kind of swing the putter more freely and hit hit it more firmly so i he's definitely a guy i'm looking to other guys rolling into the week in good form obviously xander shoffley two and uh maybe you'd call it a half straight wins with his victory at the uh, jp mcmanus hit and giggle um rory jt look like you know you'd call them locks to contend given their recent form i'm curious to get your thoughts on you know any live guys that you think might put up a good fight you know you're, you're seeing you know some picks that say like hey this could be the course for uh you know a brandon grace or a louis eustace and guy knows how to win here obviously he's he's had a win and a, and a playoff runner-up finish in his last two opens at the old course but yeah, what are the other saying, live, what are the other live players you're looking at to to perhaps I mean, contend here i say so you, you gotta count dj in um, yep. he just, he just seems to have the demeanor to not get too high or low. And, you know, the, one of the big things about the open is the weather and it's going to be a wild card. Are you in the good wave? Are you in the bad wave? I I've been looking at the weather. I mean, if you were to tell me which one is going to be the better wave to me, it looks like the morning Thursday afternoon, Friday. Um, cause it does, it does look like the wind kicks up a little bit. Thursday afternoon and it stays up and it looks like it kind of calms down Friday afternoon. Um, but you know, I, yeah, I, I'm with you. I tend to look at the weather and I'm just looking at precipitation and wind and gusts and I'm, you know, using dark sky, great app. Um, I generally think these waves for maybe the first time in a long time look pretty similar. It's like the classic, yeah. you know, go get it in the morning or before the winds pick up in the afternoon, but then like buckle up and hopefully you get something either, you know, a cross or down as you step up on these nervy tee shots. Um, and, and so it looks to be a little bit of, I don't know, roll the dice. I don't know who's got like the markedly better outlook right now that could right. shift and we could see a little rain or a gust come through. And all of a sudden the road hole plays at, you know, 5.7 stroke average for one wave versus the other. Right. And, and the issue is like, I, I look at it and I say that, you know, you, you see, um, when I, when I looked, it was like the morning, Thursday morning was, you know, winds nine to 11 miles an hour and the afternoon might've been like 13 to 15. So, yeah, so not, not, up, a tremendous, not, not a tremendous difference. Um, so, you know, with that in mind, like, I mean, the South Africans, they, they just tend to play well in weather. Yeah. Um, some of the Australians that, um, you know, I don't really know that Liv has reached critical mass, so it's Australians, but, you know, obviously Cam Smith, played great at the players. He hasn't quite regained that form from earlier in the year. Um, but again, you know, he might just feel more comfortable over here. And he certainly has the short game for being in weird spots near the green. Um, his putter is, you know, among the best in the world. So, you know, he'd be yeah. someone that I would love to see kind of make a, a run at it. I I'll think... tell you who I would I would love to see make a run, and it would be it would be so interesting in so many levels. Is Adam Scott? You talked about him a little bit earlier. He had these comments that were, you know, you'd say favorable or sympathetic to Greg Norman's plight that we let off the pod with. 
he's a guy that had a heartbreak a few years back at Royal Lytham where he, he didn't really hit a bad shot, but bogeys the last four holes and loses the open that seemed you know tightly within his grasp. Certainly, like you said, in Australia, and those guys know how to play in the wind. They know how to play in fast, firm conditions. You know, I, I think one thing that would be super interesting, Steve Williams, caddy for Adam Scott, started on the bag of Greg Norman, moves to Tiger Woods, now sits on Adam Scott's bag. I mean, talk about symbiotic right there. That is just a, that would be a cool thing. And I think it'd be cool to see him get a clear jug. Oh, yeah. No, I think, I think that'd be great. Um, and this is another guy I think in, as he's gotten older, I think his demeanor just sort of, you know, he rides the highs and the lows a little bit now. Um, so I, I think, you know, the some guys I think are I want to watch them play this course just because of how firm it is. Yeah. And everything else. I mean, I want to see what Bryson is going to do. Now, oh. do I think do I think Bryson is gonna be anywhere near the lead? Not a chance. Do, uh, I don't uh, know though. I mean, I would never count him out given his length. And like I, I, I shared this with you. There was a tweet that Nick Faldo said, you know, guys can drive three, six, seven, nine, ten, twelve, fifteen, sixteen, eighteen, like and both par fives and two, right? Like, imagine Bryson just goes completely ham and has, like, six two-putt birdies and an eagle in day one. <laughs> like, or, or he just does it in one of the days and he's not in contention, but he just pulverizes a course for one round. Like, I, I'm very curious to see whether we're going to see the major championship record of 62 by Brandon Grace just get eviscerated. Are we going to see 10, 12, 14 under leading through two rounds, like, how low, how deep do you think these guys are going to go? I mean, I was listening today to some guys on the radio. I think you can definitely put 15 under is the floor for the winning score. Okay. Um, seeing someone get to 20 is not going to stun me, um, especially if the winds do not, like, really roar. And it, as of now, it looks Yeah, if you're getting 10 miles benign. an hour out of the West, like, that doesn't seem like it's going to – gonna crush right. you so that that seems like it's fairly benign um and you know the what i was hearing is that these guys basically you're trying to get to a spot to hit into the green like as as much as these guys can overpower the course and you know almost hit it as far as they possibly want at the same time uh, jordan spieth in his interview today kind of came out and said yeah it's great you can do that but you may end up putting yourself where you cannot be just because you can't mm -hmm. stop the ball and it's just going to roll forever until it finds the fescue or it finds the gorse or it finds something you don't want it to find. And so yeah, his, his thought was, his comment was you still have to get it to the spot. So maybe you're hitting, you know, a five iron off a tee to get it in the spot with the wind going one direction. And if the wind switches, you may be hitting driver to get it to that same spot, but that's, you still need to be in that spot to get to the pin where it's going to be, um, you know, you have to think your way around the course. And that's why hearing some of the comments makes me wonder, boy, watching Bryson, because the other thing, and I, I haven't paid a lot of attention to him. He's never really been my favorite golfer or most enjoyable thing to watch um, is what I have seen of him recently. Um, I know he got injured, so it's hard to say how far back he is, is, you know, he has not exactly been, in control of his golf ball, as they would say. So if he's doing Bryson things with not a ton of control, like it could be very interesting to see, you know, where is he putting it and how is he getting to the greens from where he's putting it? Yeah, it's going to be, well, I think we've, we've teed up that this coffee golf is going to be a fun 
fun thing to watch over the next few days. So let's close with what is going to be our pick. We've talked about a lot of players. I'm going to pin you down, George. Give me who is going to win and what is the winning score relative to par. Well, let's go. I'm going to give you one thing first. I, I think that I have two top tens that I really like. Um, Lucas Herbert been in mm. really good form on the Euro tour. Um, and so I would say I like him as a top 10. I really like Kevin Kisner as a backdoor top 10. You know, I don't think he can get to, you know, 18, 19 under. Can he keep the ball in front of him nice and straight? He doesn't hit it super far, but if it's this firm, he doesn't have to. Um, you know, can he get himself to 14, 15 and get in the top 10? He's got really good odds right now at that. So I like those two plays for a winner. I am. Drum roll, please. Oh, man. I. And I'm the biggest mush in the world when it comes to this <laughs> stuff. But I, I mean, yeah, I've. I wrote him at the players. He's killed me afterwards, but I'm, I'm going back to Cam Smith. Uh, I'm just, okay. I, I like his demeanor. I like everything about him and it kills me because we spent this whole time talking about players and people in control of their golf ball. And no one on the planet has been in more control of their golf ball this year than Scotty Scheffler. So like, how do we not say his name? I will come to regret that, but I'll take Cam Smith. Cam Smith, and what is his winning winning total relative to par on Sunday? I mean, I think it's got to be 19. If the wind stays Ooh. down, I say it's got to right. be 19. All righty. All right, I'll give you mine. It's close to that. I think minus 18, champion golfer of the year will shoot minus 18. I think there will be two. I think we're going to see a Rory over JT in a four-hole aggregate playoff. And since you talked about some, some top 10, I'm going to give you one sleeper for me. I look back to... Guys that are in good form, maybe under the radar. Guys that play the Dunhill pretty well. Guys that are in good form. I'm going to give you Min Woo Lee, top 10. You know what? Hey, with that, I, 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 I know it's completely off. It's off the rails at this point. I, nope, I'm not doing Cam Smith. I've been beaten. I've been burned oh, too no, much. He's, he's, he's going back. I'm, I'm going to keep my 19 under, but I'm taking Zalatoris. Oh, the Z-man. All right. Hey, yeah. well, as long as you got the pick in before we teed it up on Thursday, it's official. So you are in the book, Zal Torres, 19 under. I've got yeah. Rory. Let's watch some coffee golf, George. This is going to be um, a fun one. It's going to be fun. And I think, you know, uh, I think watching press releases and tail fins on Sunday night, Monday is going to be even more exciting. Awesome. All right, buddy. Have fun All with right. it. See Take you. care. Thanks for listening to the Living It Up podcast. Follow us on the Twitters at Living It Up Pod. See you there.